0: Well I want to greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Um, we have now become an online church uh, because of the, and I think they're wise, uh, precautions have been put in place, um, not only nationally but statewide, and so uh, this is somewhat of a new experience for us, although we do put my sermons online weekly. to have the whole church body have to view them that way is, is something new for us, and, and um, we're glad that you've tuned in, that you're going to watch. Um, I would, would like to mention to you that uh, we are working hard to stay in contact with uh, the church family, and just a reminder that if you do have a need and you can't go out or are concerned about going out, Please contact the church office and let us know. We we would be glad to find a way to help you. Um, These are unprecedented times in our country, and because of that, it's taking unprecedented measures. And I would encourage all of you to abide by those measures. I know that you know the hand washing and. And covering your face when you cough or sneeze with your arm or tissue and the social distancing and all of that are important steps for us to take. uh, To stay indoors as much as possible so that we do limit our contact with others, I would encourage all of you to abide by those recommendations. Um, To my knowledge, we have not heard of a case of coronavirus in Longmont to this point and we would really like... To keep it that way, so uh, be careful, uh, be safe, and we'll continue to do church service this way um, for the foreseeable future until um, they lift some of those restrictions, or we're over that peak in the coronavirus, and we're, we've started down the other side, and they think it's safe for us to to congregate together again. I want to open uh, with a word of prayer, Father. We come to you today. We're thankful that you are an awesome God of awesome power. And we're certainly grateful for those in our state and and national governments who um, are giving us leadership and direction at this point. We're thankful for all the people who work in the medical community who are treating those who are dealing with the coronavirus right now. We thank you for those who are doing research to find vaccines and treatment um, to uh, not only inoculate people against this disease, but also to treat those who are already sick. Um, And Father, we pray your blessing upon them. We pray for wisdom and guidance. We pray for those who are living in fear because of this. Um, Father, we know that there are a lot of people out there who... Um, they 're they're burdened with worry, some have panicked we 've seen the, the panic buying in in the stores that 's indicative of of I think the mental uh, emotional state that a lot of people find themselves in and My prayer is, is that the Church of Jesus Christ and in particular the Longmont Church of the Nazarene, would truly be the church in these days, and when we have an opportunity. That we would be a calming influence. We would bring peace and hope into a situation. And Father, we know that we can do that because of your presence and power in us. In fact, even as we've mentioned those who are giving us leadership and those who are doing research and those who are caring for us, we know ultimately, Lord God, that our trust is in you. You are the one that we are depending upon. And I believe there is no better place for us to put our trust than in the hands of God. Father, bless those who are um, listening to this message. Bless the the church family. Um, Keep us safe. Keep us encouraged. Help us to stay in touch with one another. Um, We we still need that fellowship that is so much a part of the body of Christ. May we be faithful. Uh, to check up and to call and to do whatever we can to maintain those bonds of fellowship. Thank you, Father, today for the truth of Scripture. And and we're going to look today at a a story that for many is a, a familiar one. But I pray, Father, that there might be new lessons for us in this passage of Scripture today. We give you praise and honor and glory. We know, Lord God, that it's in life's darkest times that you seem to do your greatest work. These are, these are days, I believe, a wonderful opportunity for the G- church of Jesus Christ. And Father, help us to be in tune with your spirit and obedient to your voice so that you can use us in whatever way possible to make a difference. In a world that is um, struggling at this point, and we ask all of these things in the strong name of Jesus, Amen. I want to share with you today from Luke chapter 19, verses one through ten. The series that I've been preaching through um, uh, has to do with the, the the difference Jesus made in people's lives when He came on the scene and Zacchaeus is certainly one of those people that's who this passage of scripture is about today uh, Luke chapter 19 verse 1 Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy he wanted to see who Jesus was but being a short man he could not because of the crowd so he ran ahead Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. There's a story of a fitness center which was offering one thousand dollars to anyone who could demonstrate that they were stronger than the owner of the place here's how it worked this muscle man would squeeze a lemon until all the juice ran into a glass and then hand the lemon to the next challenger anyone who could squeeze just one more drop of juice out of that lemon would win the thousand dollars many people tried over time Weightlifters, construction workers, professional wrestlers, nobody could do it. One day, a short, skinny guy came in and signed up for the contest. After the laughter died down, the owner grabbed a lemon and squeezed away. Then he hand, handed the wrinkled remains to the little man. The crowd's laughter turned to silence as the man clenched his fist around the lemon and six more drops fell into the glass. As the crowd cheered, the manager paid out the winning prize and asked the short guy what he did for a living. Are you a lumberjack, a weightlifter, what? The man replied, I work for the IRS. Now as we look at Luke 19, we see that Jesus is passing through Jericho on his final trip To Jerusalem and comes in contact with Zacchaeus, a very wealthy government tax man, an IRS agent of his day, from the top rung of the economic ladder. And this story, really, at heart, is about two main characters. The first is Zacchaeus the Seeker. Remember the song that many of us learned in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. In in verse 2 of our text, we see that Zacchaeus was a man of some prominence. His name in Hebrew actually means pure and righteous, but he was not thought of as being anywhere close to righteous because of the job he had. As a tax collector, he worked for Rome, and he was considered to be a traitor by the Jewish people. The fact that he worked for the Roman IRS indicated to others that he was more interested in money than anything else. Zach was more than just an IRS agent, however. He was a chief tax collector. He was in charge of all the agents and was able to get a cut of commission from those who collected taxes for him. He stood on the top of the collection pyramid stuffing his pockets with shekels before he sent the required taxes to Rome. If Rome charged a 5% tax, Zac may have collected 10% from the people. Jericho was a great place to be for Zacchaeus because there were a lot of people coming in and out of the city on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. Jericho was considered the tax capital of Palestine, the center of a vast trade network that extended from Damascus to Egypt. Zach was in charge of one of the three tax offices in the entire country and may have had the best job of them all. Not surprisingly, the last part of verse 2 tells us that he was wealthy. But he was a renegade in the eyes of the religious people. He would have he would have been thought of about as fondly as we might think of a high-level drug dealer today. In fact, in the minds of people, tax collectors were often linked with murderers and adulterers and robbers and all kinds of sinners. You know, Zach actually represents every person who doesn't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have words that characterize someone like Zach. We say that they are unchurched. But that really doesn't work because it it implies that if you attend church, you know the Lord. And there are lots of people who go to church who don't know Jesus. We, we may say they are lost and that makes sense to us but may not mean anything to the person that is lost because most of them don't know they are. Really when you think about it, Zach was just an average guy. People without a relationship with God are usually average people. Before I came into a relationship with Jesus, I was a Zach and so were you Zach is a person who is primarily concerned about one person Zach so here, here are a couple of ways in which each of us can relate to Zach the first is this none of us really measures up the one thing we all know about Zach is that he was vertically challenged he was a wee little man I heard about a guy who went to the doctor's office for a physical. The nurse asked him his weight, and he said, 170 pounds. She had him step on the scales, and she said, You weigh 200 pounds. The nurse asked, How tall are you? He said, Six feet. She measured him and said, You're actually five feet eight. She started taking his blood pressure, and he said, How can you expect my blood pressure to be normal? I came in here a tall, slender guy, and you've already made me short and fat. When it comes to God's standard, we're all we little people spiritually. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory, the standard of God. When our girls were little, we used to measure them and mark their growth on a door jam at grandma's house it was great to note the difference from year to year as they grew there was also a mark for me and my brother-in-law Dean who is about three inches taller than I am as our girls were growing taller they knew they might potentially pass up a cousin or even each other but they knew that they would never catch me or uncle Dean on God's door jamb of righteousness, none of us measures up. There's your mark, there's my mark, and there's the mark of whomever you might consider to be a spiritual giant. But God's mark is a million miles above the highest mark of mankind. We all fall short of God's standard, Jesus Christ. He has a name that is above every other name. The first step in salvation is recognizing that in our own that in our own goodness, we will never measure up. And then something else about Zach—he was desperately seeking something. Zach was rich, but he wasn't happy. There was something missing in his life. The details of this story reveal that he was a desperate man. He was rich and dignified, yet he ran down the road to try to get in position to see Jesus. Desperate people run. You know, we used to climb trees when we were kids, but most adults don't climb trees unless they're being chased by a mean dog or trying to escape a flood. Climbing a tree for an adult is an act of desperation. Zach had a hole in his heart that wealth could not fill. He probably didn't even know what he needed. He just knew he desperately needed something. When he heard Jesus was in town, he was hoping Jesus might have the solution to his problem. He didn't know it, but he was looking for God. Have you ever gotten a publisher's clearing house sweepstakes letter in the mail? They use their sweepstakes to entice consumers to to subscribe to magazines they represent. They used to write letters making it sound like you were one of a few finalists eligible to win millions of dollars. The letters appeared to be personal because they repeated your name in the letter several times. Of course, the letters were actually generated by a computer that just plugs names in at the right place. It may sound as if you're the only one getting the letter when in fact millions of people are getting the same personal letter. A funny thing happened a few years ago. The computer generated a personal letter to the Bushnell Assembly of God Church near Tampa, Florida. The church got a letter that said, Dear God of Bushnell Assembly, God, we've been looking for you. You're a finalist to receive our $11 million sweepstakes. So don't just sit there, God. Return your sweepstakes form today. The Tampa Tribune interviewed the pastor who said he didn't plan on returning the form because God already has at least a million. $11 million. That's a humorous story, but think for a moment about the phrase, God, we've been looking for you. I think it speaks the truth. People today are looking for something. And I think in times like we're going through right now, it is especially true. They're looking for God, but they call it happiness or purpose. They look for it in money or human relationships or in a career. When those things don't really satisfy, they may get out on a limb and start looking for it in extreme living, which may include drugs or alcohol or sex or anything that gives them a brief high. So are you like Zach? Are you desperately looking for something and you don't even know what it is? Jesus is here today. He can be the end of your search. And here's the other character in this story. First we had Zac the seeker. Now we have Jesus the Savior. We see ourselves in Zacchaeus. We've all been there and some of you still are. You're searching for God. The good news is, while you're searching for God, He's searching for you. That's why Jesus came to the planet Earth. According to Luke 19.10, He came to seek out and save all the Zachs like you and me. Jesus Christ came on the greatest search and rescue mission in history. Zach was lost, and Jesus came all the way from heaven to find him and help him. In Luke 19, Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. Luke 9.51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He would be arrested and crucified just a few days after he visited Jericho. But Jesus did not have tunnel vision. On his way to the cross, he stopped in Jericho to seek out a couple of guys first of all a blind man named Bartimaeus and you can read about him in Luke chapter 8 and a short tax collector named Zacchaeus why? because those guys were desperately seeking God he was seeking them too and he's seeking you today the way Jesus related to Zac is the same way he wants to relate to you you know why? Because he knows you the first word Jesus spoke to the little guy in the tree was this Zacchaeus he called him by his name and Zacchaeus who had probably been called many unflattering names must have thought he knows my name how does he know me Jesus knew his name for the same reason he knows your name because he is God he knows everybody's name Don't you like it when somebody calls you by your name? You know, I try to put, remember to put on my name tag every Sunday morning. But you don't have to wear a name tag for God. He already knows your name. God said in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1, "Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You may think you're all alone in this world and nobody knows you and nobody cares, but there's a loving God who created the universe and He knows your name. And then Jesus knows that you need a relationship. He knew that Zach needed a relationship. After Jesus called His name, He beckoned Zach to come down from the tree. In the song I learned about Zacchaeus, we would point our finger and shake it like an angry school teacher and say, Zacchaeus, you come down. But I believe Jesus spoke those words in love and tender compassion. I'm certain many of the citizens of Jericho expected Jesus to deliver a withering rebuke of this mean little tax collector. Can't you hear them? As they whisper to each other, Oh boy, Zach is finally going to get what he deserves. This righteous teacher will let him have it with both barrels. And Jesus would have been telling the truth if he had said, Zach, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Repent, repent, repent. You better pay back all the money you've stolen from these people. If you don't, God is going to get you good. But Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn sinners. He came to save them. He He knew Zacchaeus needed to know that he could have a personal relationship with Jesus. Instead of condemning Zac, he said, "Let's go to your house." At that point, the religious crowd turned against Jesus and criticized him for spending time with a sinner like Zach so what do you think they did at Zach's house maybe Jesus said sit here and I'm going to preach a sermon to you on the sin of stealing money well stealing money is a sin but the bible says Jesus went to Zach's house to eat with him you can picture him Jesus and Zach's sitting around a low table sipping maybe some of the juice of the vine and enjoying the the foods that were bought before them. At some point, Jesus says, Zach, tell me about your job. And before he knows it, Zach pours out his heart to Jesus, confessing how he'd been stealing from the people. And before the conversation was over, Zach was a changed man. Some of you know that what you're doing is wrong. And I'm not here today to point my finger at you and say, sinner, sinner, sinner. I'm here to introduce you to Jesus. Sure, you need to make some changes. Zach did. But you don't have the power to make those changes on your own. But when Jesus... they'll help you clean up your act isn't that an awesome thought Jesus wants to be your friend one of the the worship songs that we've sung in the past occasionally and the one that I really like is the song I am a friend of God to me that's an amazing thought the creator of the universe is my friend and the song goes like this who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me. It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And then we know, because of who Jesus is, that He sees us not as we are, but as who we can become. That's what he saw in Zacchaeus. Everyone else who looked at Zac, they saw a mean little dirty rotten sinner. Remember what Zac's name means? It means pure and righteous. See, Jesus didn't see a crooked little tax collector. He saw a man who could be pure and righteous. He saw a man who could be so generous he would give half of his money away. At the tree, Jesus didn't say, Zach, you're a thief. Now repent and pay back what you owe these people with interest and penalties. Then I'll come to your house and eat with you. Instead, Jesus said, Come on, let's get to know each other. And once you get to know me, you'll see yourself in a different light. And you'll want to make some changes. And Jesus says the same to you today. You've made mistakes. There's sin in your life. Jesus is here to lovingly point his finger at you and say, I came to seek you and save you. Come on. Let's become friends. After Zach got to know Jesus, he demonstrated that he was a changed man. He paid back everyone four times what he had stolen and he gave half his money to the poor. You know, it's easy for us to say, well, I've met Jesus, I'm a Christian, I've been changed. But the proof is in what you do. Has there been a change in the way you think, talk, and live? God will forgive your sin, but sometimes like Zach... We have to make restitution to others in order to demonstrate that we've been forgiven. It was Albert Schweitzer who said, if you own something that you cannot give away, then you don't own it. It owns you. Zacchaeus' money no longer owned him. I like the picture of the kitten that is looking into a mirror and sees a lion. You need to start seeing yourself as God sees you. Sure, you're a sinner, and you don't measure up to God's standard, but Jesus has come to seek and to save you. And when God looks at you today, He sees you in what you can become. No matter what you've done in the past, God sees in you the potential of becoming one of His children. There are two kinds of people watching or listening today. Some of you are like Zach. You're searching for something. You've found money and your job can't really fill the void that's in your heart. Jesus is here today, and he knows you, and he loves you. He's calling you by name. He's saying, I want to have a relationship with you. I can see in you the person you can become, and that person is beautiful. So for the average folks here today, will you come down from your tree and meet Jesus and let him change you? And did you know that God began looking for Zacchaeus long before Zacchaeus started looking for God? God loves you. He came to seek and save you. Zacchaeus experienced Jesus seeking love and saving power. There was nothing special in Zacchaeus for Jesus to single him out. Jesus simply loved him. God could change Zacchaeus. He can change you. He made you in the first place. He knows you. When Zac-